Welcome to the show. It's another episode of Round Guy, the podcast. Uh, I'm co-host Dave Johnson. Uh, uh, Round Guy's feeling a little down today, so he's taking the day off. But I'm on the phone with a good friend uh, I opened for in Las Vegas. His name is Jamie Lasso. Uh, welcome to the program, Jamie. Thank you so much, man. How you doing? I'm doing great. We're uh, doing a, a series of shows where people react to Norm uh, McDonald, and you you worked with Norm, and uh, you're Rob Snyder's opening act most of the time, and you're in a show with him on Netflix called The Real Rob. Uh, tell me what what what's your impressions of Norm, and what was it like to be around him? Oh man, he was uh, he was just such a unique force, and he just had that thing that I think every comic wishes they had, which is just not giving a fuck. And he had it. We can all pretend we have that to some degree, but he had it to a degree of no one else in the sense of like, I don't know if you saw online today, like John Lovitz posted a story. Um, there's so many stories about Norm getting kicked out of casinos or upsetting people. Yeah. Like Lovitz posted one where they told Norm to be clean, which I'm surprised that bookers didn't share the information of never tell Norm to be clean because it's not going to go your way. And so he was doing some show and he's been like super dirty and the crowd's like ooing and eyeing and making and groaning. And he says, who thinks I'm being too dirty? And like the whole crowd erupts and he goes, uh, who thinks I'm not being dirty enough? And like 20 people clap. And he's like, well, I don't want to disappoint those 20 people. And then he proceeded to be dirtier than he was at the be- at the beginning. That was in Mississippi. That was. Yeah. That was. And, uh, oh, my God, man, I wanted to tell you. It's funny. I hear a lot of people saying he was underrated, and I think I always thought he was amazing, so I never I never viewed it that way. He was always one of my favorites. But I think if you, if you are saying underrated in the sense of, like, maybe my mom has never heard of him, but she's heard of other guys or, you know, like his albums being passed around, I – would have to agree because a friend of mine the other day goes, have you ever heard Norm MacDonald's album, um, me doing standup? Have you heard it? I haven't. Oh my God, dude. So it's from 2000, maybe 11. And me and Rob Schneider were doing some gigs last weekend. And Rob goes, let's put this in. You know, I, I'm not kidding. I'm 46 years old. I'm going to be 47 next week. I've never laughed harder at anything. In my life, I didn't even know my body was capable of making the noises. I was, I was literally just doubled over, driving a car almost off the road. That album was so good. Yeah, um, he got kicked out of Iowa too. Uh, I was a little wrong about where they. I thought it was at Riverside, but I guess it was in I- Iowa City, and it was an event put on by the governor. And the, the governor met him and took him golfing and uh, before the show. And uh, it was, again, there was kids and stuff out there. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, Daryl Hammond and uh, uh, oh, who's the goat guy? Uh, Jim Brewer. Yeah, Jim Brewer was on the show. And they did, you know, amazing, I guess, you know, normal stuff. And, again, had they probably not told Norm to be clean, he probably would have just just get yeah. did, did fine, you know. But he says he comes out there and he says, 
you know, with a bunch of children and the governor, and everybody in the audience, he goes, if you were gay, wouldn't the worst part of it be in the ass guy, you know? <laughs> and, uh, you know, he got all upset. And so he, he and Ozzy Osbourne, they were both kicked out of the state for five years by the same governor. Is that right? Uh, yeah, Ozzy bit a bat's head off there uh, for some reason. I don't know why. Oh, is that, that where that happened? Yeah, that was in Des Moines. Oh, my roommate was at that oh, show. Damn. So, uh, but uh, yeah, that was a uh, that was or- Norm's uh, chance. One chance being in Iowa, I guess, uh, was a short wow, stay. I can't believe. I can't believe that didn't start COVID way back then. <laughs> so uh, you work with Norm. He was on an episode of Real Rob. Uh, what was that? What was that? Yeah. Like? Ah, he was the best, man. He was so fun on and off, you know, camera. He was an absolute pleasure. He was hysterical. He was very, he was very humble. He wasn't like super overconfident in his acting abilities. He was, I was behind the camera that day. I wasn't, uh, I wasn't in the scene and he said something that he ad-libbed and I, I just lost my mind laughing and had to like physically cover my mouth with my hand. So I didn't ruin the take. And, um, at the end of it, I go, Holy shit, dude, that was, and he's like, really, was that okay? Like just so, so humble, man. And, and I don't know if he knew how funny he was or maybe deep down he did, but it was, uh, he was, uh, he was amazing. And, um, yeah, we. Uh, I think I might have told you this, but we won't, he was going to be in the movie that we just wrote and filmed earlier this year, and he had said he couldn't really come out and leave his house because of COVID. And at the time, we just thought he was being like super cautious. But in light of new information, it, it now makes a, a ton of sense why he wouldn't want to um, leave his house. And then we tried to get him like a a really funny voiceover thing where he was going to be the voice of this ring doorbell and it would have been amazing this norm's voice and we just couldn't we couldn't connect on when to record and we, we were never able to do it which is a little bit of a bummer yeah that is too Crazy bad to uh, think he's not here uh but you know what i've been watching norm stuff for a month and a half and i still find more stuff he left us with a treasure trove of uh well, he did he did uh Remember the deuce. Yeah, big if I visit. ever, if when I pass away, people are going to get tired of the same seven minutes. Yeah, That's we're talking with Jamie Lasso. Uh, he's a uh, Fairbanks, Alaska, and uh, also New York City, which is pretty uh, bi-coastal, I guess you'd say. Um, yeah, I'm actually splitting my time in uh, Phoenix, Arizona, in Alaska now. That's, That's where uh, we filmed that movie, and I just kind of took to the place, and so. That's where I am right now, actually, in Arizona. Well, that's cool. Uh, uh, the, the movie Deuce Bigelow, where Norm's in, and he's, uh, yeah. you know, he's a union member of the man whores and whatnot, and the, he's, like, got a Scottish accent or something. And I've been a man here for getting yeah. on 50 years or something. <laughs> I think that was really literally his best uh, ever appearance on anything ever. I thought that was the Man, point. I got to rewatch that. I have not seen that movie in a little while. Yeah, that was. Uh, that was just. Uh, they had a, a YouTube My, just about appearances or cameos or whatever. I thought that was the very best one. Oh, okay. Yeah, my two biggest recommendations I've been giving people. I mean, the first one is obviously me doing stand up is my first recommendation. If anybody hasn't heard that, and then my next two are 
norm on celebrity who wants to be a millionaire is one of the best things I've ever seen. And then somebody posted last week 35 minutes of why Norm McDonald got fired from SNL. And it's 35 minutes of him doing OJ jokes. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I seen him. The, and then I saw recently, you know, after uh, he got out of jail, um, Norm was like all totally forgiven him, said he paid his he paid his debt to society and it was time for America to give him a second chance and stuff. Well, that was pretty funny too. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so, uh, yeah, Jamie, you you are a fantastic comic, you know, uh, and you did this, oh, this bit you. about living in this really small apartment in uh, New York that I heard you do. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. You know, I, uh, I, I never did stand up comedy once until I was 40 or a little older than that, maybe 44 or something like that, you know? So I, uh, you know, I never, I, I, I did it more as a hobby, you know, uh, I really always enjoyed doing it a lot, you know, uh, and I did, did, you know, what I could here in the little Midwest and the small town, it's not easy to get out and get a lot done, you know, but, uh, I never, you know, I don't think I could sleep in my car or live in a tiny apartment or any of the things that you have to do to really make it, uh, what, 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 yeah, it's tough at first, but I will say, man, sorry to interrupt your question there, but I, I will say, as I think back, those were definitely some of the greatest days of my life. Like, like stay, you know, I didn't sleep in my car. I did take some long naps in my car and some of them were all the way through the night. So maybe I did sleep in my car, but it does make you, you know, I'm in a pretty nice hotel right now and it makes you very grateful to go from there to here. I think it adds a level of gratefulness. And now I tour with Schneider, which is, you know, like it's, it's so different than, than where I began because he's, you know, this, this, a-list headliner that gets special treatment, and some of that treatment falls off on his opening act. Well, so it's kind of nice. nice to see where where it came from. Sneak in there and get some of them sloppy second uh, high high exactly. treatment treatments. That'd be good. Well, I I mean, like I say, I I appreciated every little every little opportunity I ever got to do anything, you know. And you gave me one of my biggest ones, <laughs> and you didn't even oh, know yeah, me. Man. You just said, "All right, you want to go on? Go out there." Oh yeah, was it the Laugh Factory? Yeah, it was at the Laugh Factory. You know. Uh, yeah, great club. It was, uh, and I really, you know, I thought I did really well. Uh, I, I noticed the the people in the, in the audience in Las Vegas are all from the Midwest, so that kind of kind of helped me a little bit. Uh, but uh, yeah, I would say, man, of I don't, I actually have never been to Brad Garrett's place. I'm there later this year, but of all the clubs I've ever worked in Vegas, and I probably worked like eleven. The Laugh Factory to me is the one place that feels like you're at a comedy club. A lot of times when you're in Vegas, you feel like you're in Vegas. And the Laugh Factory to me has cultivated a comedy club crowd. Like you said, like people from the Midwest, people from everywhere, even some regulars, which is kind of unusual for Vegas. Usually it's, you know, just a, a ton of tourists. And they have, a, they have a great thing going over there, man. I love, I love doing that room. Yeah, it was really, you know, for me, I live in small town, southeast Iowa all farming community, you know, I mean, it was, I mean, literally when I started doing comedy, I was excited if I was playing in a town that was incorporated, you know? Oh yeah. Okay. I mean, if I, usually I was playing in some Eagle's nest on a river, you know, and people are watching TV or playing pool, you know, it was really, really tough. Oh, yeah. 
But uh, I thought that made me, you know, when I did get into the comedy club and stuff, I'm like, wow, this is way easier, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I started at some, uh, sorry for that noise. I started at some crazy one-nighters myself, and I'm always thankful to those terrible gigs. To so tell, tell me about your breaking in, you know, give me a, a, it was a tough, you know, things were going bad. You, you had to play a tough place or you were just trying to get, get some traction, you know? Some, something back from the early days. Give me a story about that. Yeah, I'll tell you my my favorite bombing story. I was in um, I was in like Charlotte, North Carolina, in the middle of the summer, and I was doing a college, and I it was like nine p.m. middle of summer, and I got to the venue, and the woman putting on the show says to me, "Oh my god, I'm so sorry." She goes, "This place was packed an hour ago, like no no open seats, like three hundred people in this little theater." And what happened was the air conditioning broke and, and pretty much everybody left because it was so hot. She's like, there's only 30 people left in there. I'm really sorry. And I go, that's okay. We'll do a show. It'll be fun. It'll be, you know, it'll be fine, whatever. So I get on stage. There's like 30 people in this 300 seat theater and they open the windows to try to cool it down a little bit. So it's like 9 PM up on stage, 30 people. And every time I did a joke and it didn't get a huge laugh, I actually heard crickets. Really? Like actual crickets outside. Like the sound effect you play when a comedian is bombing. And I was like, oh, this is where it came from. People bombing outdoors at the beginning of time. And I will never forget that. I remember being on stage and it was so torturous and I was suffering and I was flop sweating. And the only thing that kept me going was I couldn't wait to drive home and call all my friends and tell them how bad it was. That's what gets beautiful about the bad gigs. You get to a point where it's so funny to you. You're not taking it personally. And you just can't wait to tell your buddies how shitty your, your show was. <laughs> I did. Uh, I did some shows at like County fairs, you know, and uh, every time I get to the punchline, you'd hear, Moo! you know, oh, yeah. I got heckled by cows before I had to train oh, yeah, that would come by. With cows. Huh? You've always been huge with cows. Yeah, yeah. cows. yeah, there's some weird venues, man. I did it one gig once. I was at a um I was in a casino and the Lakers were playing mm-hmm. and it looked like the game was about to end and they were gonna start the show. And Lakers are down by three, it's gonna end, they're gonna lose, we're gonna do the show. And right at the last second, Kobe hits a three pointer and ties the playoffs, game seven, and he ties the game. And they go into overtime, and the guy goes, we got to start the show. Like, you know, at casinos, the show is taking away people from the tables. And so they got to start the show and get people back gambling. And so they start the show, and everyone's watching this Lakers game. But, Don, in the room I'm performing in, I'm kind of watching it as I'm talking. And the only way I could do good is I tried to time my jokes with every time, like, Shaq had the ball, and he was about to dunk. That was the only way I could get a big response was if I timed it with the Lakers scoring. It's brutal. It's it's rough out there, people. Being a stand-up comic ain't easy. There's nothing easy about it at all. It's tough out there. So uh, let, let's hear a story on the other end of it. Tell me some beautiful story, some beautiful venue, and some good okay. treatment. And some... you know, I'll, tell you my, I'll, I'll tell you the best, set of, uh, the best set I ever had in terms of like changing the course of my career. You know, kind of changing the course of my life. I was doing... Radio in upstate New York. I was like the sidekick douchebag comedian guy on this radio show in Rochester, New York. And one day Rob Schneider calls in because he's doing a gig in town that weekend. 
And so he calls in. He's being really funny. And I, 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 I go, can I say something? I go, I, I, I mean this sincerely. I said, I go, I said to him, you're, I never met him. And I go, you're my favorite dude. I'm like growing up. It, I love everybody. I love Sandler. I love space, but it was always you, man. I go, you were my guy. Deuce Bigelow, this and that. And Rob on the phone goes, Oh, thanks, man. He goes, are you a comedian? And I go, yeah, yeah, I'm a comedian. And, um, done a couple things, you know, but now I'm doing radio. And he says, why don't you come open for me this weekend? Come do a set. And I'm like, Oh my God, this is insane. And so he puts me on his show. I go the next night to this venue and, um, I'm about to go on stage and open for him. And they say, Hey, before you go on stage, there's an improv group that's going to go up ahead of you. They're from the college. They've, uh, only performed like three times together. Uh, but we're going to give them a shot to perform. They're going to go on before you. I go, okay, dude, let me tell you something. If there's comedy in heaven, you get to go up after an improv group. that's not very good. (laughs) If there's comedy in heaven, you get this spot that I got, which, so they go up and they struggled a little bit. And, um, Dude, I went up and uh, it the best set of my life, which anybody would have had, because they were just like, oh, my God, prepared jokes. They were just so excited that I had material. And um, I hear this guy, I had not met Rob before the show. Or I met him for two seconds before the show in the green room, but then the door closes. Like, okay, that's probably all I'm going to – I thank him for the set. I go, that's probably it. I'll probably never see him again. And I, and I have the best set of my life, and I hear this guy laughing. All my jokes, this guy's like, like tackling, laughing so loud. And I thought it was the, you know, I don't know, the host or – someone from the theater and I get, I finish up and say, thanks. Good night. I walk over. It's Rob. He watched my whole set. He was the one laughing and he shakes my hand and goes, dude, you're, he's like, you're a good writer, man. He goes, I want to talk to you after the show. Okay. And so after the show, I, I talked to him and then he goes, man, I'm going on uh, you know, whatever show I'm going on Conan this week. Why don't you write me some jokes? So I did. And then that went pretty good. And then he did like the roast of Quentin Tarantino. I wrote him some jokes that did pretty good. And then that led to, you know, where I am today, which is we have a TV show on Netflix that we wrote, a movie we wrote. And he's my, you know, pretty much 90% of my dates I tour with Rob Schneider based off that one beautiful moment where a shitty improv group opened for me. You, uh, you had an opportunity and you run with it. You know, they either come up or they don't, you know, and when they do, when the door opens, you got to get, you got to get your foot in there. Uh, yep, yep, that's right. You know what I like about Rob's movies? Hmm. They're silly and lighthearted. You know what I mean? So if yep, I'm having a, yep. if I've had a tough week or whatever, I can get 90 minutes or 120 minutes where I can relax and not think about things, you know? Uh, yeah. Him and Sandler, man. I've been, I have three kids and when quarantine hit us, we, we watched every single Sandler movie from when I was a kid. And, they all held up and did not disappoint, and it was a it was a beautiful thing. I like that. You can do it. <laughs> he, <laughs> he's got those. He does them real cameos and really really good. It's oh, always yeah. really funny. I remember the I don't remember which movie it was, but he he was riding a bicycle delivering good fruit or something. Maybe that was the uh, the one where he adopts a kid, Big Daddy or something. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Rob's yeah. always good in, in everything that he does. Uh, I was uh, doing a little research on him, and uh, it, it said that he was an anti-vaxxer. Uh, is that correct? Uh, he, you know, he, he has, I don't know if I'd call him anti-vaxxer, but he's more, like, 
pro research and making it each person's choice on a case. Well, I I'd like to you is know what I, is what I would say. you know uh, oh I haven't got the shot. It feels like there's a lot of pressure on me, but I I have questions yeah. about it. You know, and it seems like I'm not allowed to ask the questions. You know, I feel better it about is it. Crazy time, yeah. You know, if I could see when I was in the army. I went to nuclear, biological, and chemical weapons school, and they told me that the uh, Chinese were working on this virus, you know, they said they wanted it to last, to live above 55 degrees, which viruses didn't do. They said they wanted to morph uh, into a different, as it moved along and to contract people, they said they would get their own people sick and then send them out in airports to infect other, other countries. It was like a 10 point plan that, that went down exactly 10 points, you know, and uh, the thing that, that I'm confused about it is, uh, you know, uh, other vaccines or other viruses, they, they die at 55 degrees. This one doesn't. Other viruses don't go three feet. This one does. Other viruses hit herd immunity at 20%. This one, 90% doesn't do it, you know? I mean, yeah. uh, I don't I don't know. I just have some questions. I'd like to I like, you know, my, my dad told me he, he wasn't going to come around me again unless I, I got the, the vaccine, you know? Yeah, yeah, I've heard a lot it of It seems that. like it kind of yeah. divides the, the country up like we need to be divided up any more than we are. But uh, anyway, Jamie, Jamie yeah, it, Lasso, it, it is unfortunate when you can't. You're, you're right. Like, like, getting the vaccine or not, it is important that we're still able to ask questions. You know, one of my questions is, is uh, if I'm solving one problem, Am I creating another problem? You know what I mean? Right. Maybe I'm better right. off for this. Uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, the whole, it's just, I don't really trust the news and trust people and the government or any of that. So it's just a difficult situation all the way around. Uh, but, yeah, I don't trust the government because they waited. They lied to us for 60 years about aliens. Yeah, they that lied to us. ruins your credibility. That's like when your wife cheats on you. I won't even take a recommendation for a good pizza place after that. <laughs> anyway uh tell us about uh real rob and uh, the movie that you got coming out and uh so yeah man so uh i don't know what i'm allowed to say here but i will say so we have two seasons of real rob still on netflix and uh it, it what a cool experience to film that show and you know, that show season two must have come out four or five years ago and I was in Texas this weekend, and I cannot even tell you how many fans came up and were, were like, just so cool and were, like, addicted to that show and have seen it multiple times. This is, like, five years later, so it's pretty cool. And um, we actually have a – can't say too much, but there's a very good chance that Real Rob will return possibly next year. So it's kind of exciting. So we're kind of talking about it right now. I just, you know, during the pandemic, everything had slowed down. I had a little time and I says, we'll see that show Jamie was in, you know, when I watched an episode and I enjoyed it and I watched it and I went down the rabbit hole and I, I, uh, you know, the wife didn't get no work out of me for a couple of days because I was just watching that. But, uh, ah, very good. But she, Appreciate it. But I really enjoyed it. And I've always enjoyed being around you. And uh, that time I opened up for you in uh, Vegas, there was a, the host of that show was a guy, and I don't remember his name, but he did like Donald Trump impersonations. Do you remember what his name was? I'm going to guess that it was Bob DeBono, who I talked to last week on a 
podcast Zoom show. Really? Well, I really enjoyed him. I I, he was I very so. talented and, uh, you know. Uh, He's great, man. I, I never, I never yeah. did, did know his name, but uh, I, I'd like to, you know, reconnect with him sometime. And, uh, you know, I'm just, a, I'm just a farm kid from small, small corner of rural Iowa. You know what I mean? I, I, the, the reason I was out there in Las Vegas was, well, one, I had a, uh, was meeting my daughter out there. I hadn't seen her in a long time, but I, uh, you know, I have a friend that uh, lived in Fairfield, Iowa when I was a kid, and he grew up to be a big booker there in Las Vegas. He has Steck uh, Productions. He does like five of the casinos. Um, and he called uh, some Harry Basil guy up and got me on that show. Just, uh, oh, nice. I would have never, you know, like, yeah. I mean, I didn't even, I, I just, I mean, I just talked to him that morning and he got me set up to do it that night. Uh, oh, that's great. That he did another, great. another time I was out there. He, he set me up with uh, David Spade and uh, Kevin Farley and boy, that oh, yeah. was, but for, you know, I mean, like I did I just, for a rural guy like me, that's like a million to one thing to happen. You know what I'm saying? That's huge, man. That's fantastic. But it was, it was great. I had a really great time with you. We're kind of running out of time here. But uh, if there's anything else you want to tell the people of Southeast Iowa or whatever, if you're going to come to Des Moines or. Yeah, I would just say I don't have it in front of me, but if you go to robschneider.com, I think we added a couple Iowa dates. Oh, I'm sorry. I knew you were in Dubuque here not too long ago. Yeah, I would guess it. I think it's December 3, 4, 5. That's my birthday. For details, you go to robschneider.com. Yeah, December third is my birthday. I'll be fifty-five. Oh hell yeah, man! You got to come out. I, I, I'll if it's if it's around, I'll come. Uh, uh, Steve, uh, the round guy, he he said he uh, spent a week with Rob in the studios and and uh, hosting him at the uh, Funny Bone in Des Moines, and he wanted to pass on uh, you know his hellos and the wishes that he could have got to talk to him, but. Uh, Thanks a lot, Jamie. I really appreciate this interview. I'm about to talk to him in about five minutes. I'll pass on uh, the hellos from Ron Guy. And tell Ron Guy, I said, hey, good chatting with you today, man. All right. This has been a little update on uh, Norm McDonald and my good friend, Jamie Lasseau. Another great episode of Ron Guy, the podcast. Thanks, everybody.